Hello and welcome to the Kieran and Car Chat podcast, where I discuss the latest news in the world of cars and share my unwanted opinions upon unwilling listeners. In this episode, we shall be talking about some electric cars, some definitely not electric cars, and what looks like Audi doing something in India. Sort of. All of that is to come, so sit back, grab a drink, and let's get cracking. Okay, so the first car that I want to talk about today is the new Renault Megane E-Tech Electric. Now, I know it doesn't exactly sound like the most interesting car, and yeah, you have a point. It's 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 not great. I'm not gonna lie. Now, obviously, I can't show you these cars because, well, this is audio. This is a podcast. I can't just show you what the car looks like. So I'm gonna have to try my best to describe it to you. I've got the images right in front of me now. So let's start from the front. So, it has the standard kind of Renault look, with obviously the massive diamond badge right in the centre. But then, instead of like that huge grill they've been having around the badges in recent years, it's just bodywork, which doesn't actually look too bad, I'm not going to lie. Now, as the bonnet line goes along to the lights, the very slim, very slender... It almost looks like an Audi, and a lot of car manufacturers seem to be doing this at the moment. They seem to be going after what I would call, at least, the Audi look. It's a very slim style of headlight. Then they've got, like, a little... I don't know how to describe it, really. It's like an LED strip coming down from the headlight in a bit of, like, a... Well, it's, it's half of a Z, if that makes sense. So, from the wheel arch, okay... If you go in towards the centre of the front of the car and then kind of up at a diagonal and then it kind of then goes vertical up towards the light. So it kind of looks like half a Z and there's an LED strip basically. So I'm not really sure why it's there. It doesn't look the best. And to be honest, without that line, I think it would actually look like quite a good looking front of the car. That's where the good looks end though, to be honest. Now... If we look from the side, it's a little bland. There's not really a lot going on. There's not really much to kind of capture your attention. The one thing I really did notice, though, is I'm looking at the wheels right now. And my first impression, honestly, was a Citroen DS3. Then I showed it to my friend and he said, yeah, that almost looks like a Tesla. Like the wheels almost look like a Tesla. And he has a point, like because of the solidness of it. So there is not much gaps between the spokes like you have in, in normal alloys. It's, it's It looks flat. It looks just completely flat, like there isn't any actual gaps. Now, of course, there are some gaps, but it's not great. I'm not going to lie. It's it's very flat. They're, they're very white wheels, and it doesn't look the best. Moving towards the back of the car, now this is a bit that I really, really don't like. So, you know when you look at prototype drawings of cars, so manufacturers design a car and they go, what do you think of this? Now, the one thing that I always spot with these cars is the rear window especially, but windows in general on these designs look tiny genuinely looks completely out of proportion like the body of the car is humongous compared to the visibility you'd have out of those windows now what it looks like Renault have done here is they've taken these designs and gone yeah let's make that because the rear window is disgustingly small 
Obviously, I don't have the exact specs of it, but from the photos, it genuinely looks about 30 centimetres tall. Now, 30 centimetres for the rear window is disgusting, to be honest, but it kind of gets worse. So let's go into some of the more, um, yeah, detail characteristics. Let's put it that way. OK, so pricing. It starts, it starts from £35,995. Now, for a Renault Megane, 35 grand is way too much. For a simple family hatchback, a Megane, it should be, what, 20 max? And 20 is like if you've got some specced up on it. But because it's electric, obviously, it goes really expensive. And this is the problem with electric cars at the moment. Although some of the things they're coming out with are just amazing. You can't ignore the fact that they are hideously expensive. Normal people, especially during a financial crisis like we're going through at the moment, we cannot afford to go and blow basically 36 grand on what's a glorified McGann. That's not the worst of it, though, because just keeping in line with electric cars, the range is 280 miles now. I've read through the specs of this and what they say is with a proper, proper electric car charger, you will get up to 280 miles. With a normal plug in the wall socket charger, you'll have around 180 miles. 180 miles. Now, there's going to be a lot of people going, yes, but the average journey is, I don't know, let's say, what, 30 miles, 20 miles, whatever it is on your daily commute. And yes, that might be true, but sometimes you can do over 100 miles. What if you're feeling a bit down on that day and you need to go for a drive? You're going to do those 180 miles quite quickly. What if you need to go on holiday somewhere? Or if you want, if you want to say, OK, let's say you're down in London. OK, you need to go to Manchester. You need to go to Lancaster, um, you know, those kind of areas. You are going to use those miles extremely quickly and it's not enough. Yes, OK, there are electric car chargers, but the infrastructure simply isn't in place to cope with the sheer number of electric cars that the government are wanting to put on the road. If you go to a normal standard set of services, there's what, 10, maybe 15 chargers there. If you look how many cars there are, there's 40, 50, 60, maybe even 100 cars. Now, if everybody converted to electric, there is no way the infrastructure could cope with it. 280 miles at this stage is not enough. If your petrol car or diesel car was doing 300, maybe 400 miles on a tank, you'd be complaining about it. But electric cars can do 150, maybe 180 miles. People are like, yeah, that's fine. Rant over, sort of. Next bit is a mobile home charging solution, as they call it. Now, they give you a car charger when you buy the car because they kind of have to. Then a mobile home charging solution, £1,170 optional extra. You know, Apple have been making iPhones and charging extra for the headphones or maybe the charger. And they'll charge, what, 30, 40, 50 pounds for the charger. 1,170 pounds for a charger is ridiculous. And this is not Apple. This is not a premium brand. This is Renault. 
Next thing that I want to bring up is the one benefit from at least a petrol head's point of view of the benefits of owning an electric car is the acceleration, the sheer acceleration you feel when you put your foot down and you get that instant power. Well, Renault decided to get away with that because 0 to 60 miles an hour is 7.5 seconds. 7.5. I have a car that's 15 years old and it goes faster than that. Yeah. And Renault Megane weighing in 1.6, 1.7 tonnes. Quite heavy. And finally, the one thing that I want to bring up about it is Renault say it has six inviting colours to choose from. And those colours, remember that word, colours, are ceramic grey, shadow grey, glacier white, diamond black. So the first four of those six are shades. Okay. Now, reading the press release, and this is something I haven't quite seen before. Reading the press release, in these six inviting colours, as they put it, there was actually seven listed. Well, when I say seven... Let me read out exactly what they were. Ceramic grey, shadow grey, glacier white, diamond black, ceramic grey, flame red and midnight blue. So apparently ceramic grey is in there twice. They like grey because they listed it three times despite the fact there's only two options. They like white, black, red and blue. It's not that many colours to choose from. So, 35995 for them again. No, thank you. So let's move on to the next car. And that next car is the new Morgan three-wheeler. If I, I, I'm, I'm making inverted, like, sort of air commas, air commas, air quotes even at the moment. Because um, when I say new, it's a Morgan. So how new can it be? Well, actually, for Morgan, it's revolutionary because... This is the very first Morgan with a monocoque. And it's also the first Morgan with digital dials, which has been in normal cars for years. But there we go. Morgan are finally caught on. They're finally in the 20th century. It kind of goes downhill from there. I'm not going to lie. Now, again, I've got to try and describe how this thing looks. And the very first thing that I thought of when I saw this car was a lobster. Let me explain my reasoning for this. Okay, bear with me. So, at the front of the car, obviously, you have a bonnet. Now, on that bonnet, well, at the front of the bonnet, is a gap. So, obviously, where the bonnet meets the, the front of the car, obviously, that you can open it and get the engine and whatnot. Now, that bonnet is actually slightly raised from the front of the car. So, it almost looks like a, a lobster shell. That's... Not where it ends either, because then obviously the headlights are kind of sticking up um, from the front. Now, obviously, this has been a sort of Morgan standard thing. But on this car, it seriously looks like an animated lobster. And the very first thought I actually had was, you know, Mr. Krabs in Spongebob? And he's got those eyes that kind of stick out of his shell. That's what it looks like. It genuinely looks like Mr. Krabs. The front of it does anyway. I won't say the side of it does, because obviously Mr. Krabs is quite wide and, and this car isn't. But it looks like Mr. Krabs on the front of the car. I'm I'm not overly in, impressed with it. And also, right, there are a couple of different variants that you can have. Now, 
you can have one with some headlights on the very front of it. Uh, obviously, not, not the, the Mr. Crab Eye headlights, but headlights um, actually in front of the engine. Now, if you don't have that, I'm looking at a photo right now of three, which is one of the Morgan Press images for this car. Okay. Now, they've got three driving on a uh, beach, which I'm guessing is uh, Pendine Sands. Now, the car on the front left, as I'm looking at it, has these two little headlights. The car on the front right does not. Now, I can see straight through to the drive belt, to all of the pulleys, to, to the engine, basically. Um, now, when you're driving on a road and you're behind, I don't know, let's say, a car, what do tyres tend to do in front of you? They flick up stones and they flick up all sorts of different stuff. Now, the front of a car should protect the engine. You don't want any stones getting in, for instance, your drive belt. I don't think Morgan have fully thought this through because looking at this, stones can just get straight into the engine, flick straight up into the drive belt. So if you're driving this, you need to keep well away from other cars. Yeah. Now, reading through the press release for this car as well, there's not all that much to say, to be honest. They keep talking about, oh, we've done this, we've done that, we've done this. And, well, what seems like every sentence they keep mentioning, oh, back in my day, back in the 1930s, back in the 1940s, this, that and the other. Morgan is still living in the past. And I get it. I, I actually like Morgan. I like some of the cars they brought out. But come on, grow up. It They need to update it for modern. And they've been trying. But this just looks hideous. It's just not worth it. So let's let's move on to the next car. And the next car... Oh, God. The Subaru E-Forester. Okay. Um, now. One of the very first things they mentioned about this car was the fact that they'd sold four and a half million of them. Now, don't get wrong, Subarus are great, you know, and Foresters have done extremely well because they just work. Now, again, there's a whole press release with the Forester, and there's nothing there. I was falling asleep trying to read it, and... They kept on saying it's been so successful and we're going to make it electric now and it's going to be this and it's going to be it's called the e-boxer drivetrain and all this it, to be honest it's a load of bull but another thing that i kind of picked out so i i picked up on um on two things during during reading the press release okay first thing is i said they updated this system now this system is called pre-collision braking now in my mind, when I read pre-collision braking, what immediately pops into my head is brakes. Brakes. It has brakes. Okay, well done. You've updated the brakes. Truly revolutionary. I think what they obviously mean is it can kind of brake for you. But <sighs> pre-collision braking. Hmm. I'm not sure... Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I don't know, collision avoidance system or something like that. They need to work on their wording, Subaru do, because sometimes 
it it's just not great. And then also, one of the things they've said in the press release was they've got a gesture control system. Now, what they say is that you can do some hand gestures um, to kind of control the climate. Now, one thing that, that immediately came to my mind when I read this is, you know, when girls eat something hot and they go, oh, that's hot. And they have their hand next to their face and they kind of wave it at them, at their mouth kind of thing. They go, oh, oh, and they're waving the hand in a very sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but I'm, I'm kind of doing it right now. I look, probably look like a prat, but um, they're kind of waving the hand at, at, at their face, trying to cool their mouth down. Now, let's say you've been to McDonald's or KFC or something and, you know, she's just eating something in the passenger seat and she goes, oh, that's hot. And she waves her hand. Let's say it's a cold day or something like that. Is the car then going to pick up the fact that she's going, oh, that's hot because the food's hot. And then it changes the climate system. Then you've got to change it back. And it's just. I couldn't see anywhere where it said you could turn it off. That could be an issue. What say? Let's say, you know, a driver um, pulls out in front of you. You have to slam on the brakes and you're kind of waving your hands in, in reaction, everything like that. Is it going to change the climate then? I don't think it's been thought through entirely well. Yeah, it's 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 not it's it's not great at, at all, really. Yeah. Um, OK, so I have got three more cars to talk about. Um, now, the first one isn't specifically a car because obviously for each of these podcasts, I have to go through and read all of the press releases. Well, not all the press releases, but I have to go through and see if there's any interesting press releases from all the manufacturers. Now, I went on to Audi's and the first thing that came up was Rickshaw. Now, Rickshaw, in case you don't know, are tuk-tuks, which are those three-wheeled scooter thingies that kind of ride around India and they 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 don't look very safe basically so it's like I think it's a motorbike front end and then there's two wheels attached to the back so it's like a trike essentially it's got handlebars for the steering actually inside and then there's like a double seat in the back okay so these are called rickshaws or tuk-tuks not really sure what the difference is um now um <laughs> there's a company in India that is reusing the Audi e-tron batteries and testing it on these rickshaws. Now it's a company called Nunum. It's a German Indian startup and right so the first thing the very first thing about this is I don't know if you know but India's quite a big place. There's what like a billion people there now. And there are so many cars on the road. I think it's one of the highest death toll countries in the world for the roads. Guess how many they're bringing to the roads. Obviously, to, to combat the... I don't know what the hell they're combating, to be honest. Um, helping people in challenging life situations earn an income and gain economic independence. Everything in a sustainable way is how Audi put it, to be exact. So, with a billion people, how many are they bringing? 1,000? 2,000? 10,000? 10,000 might do some good. No. They're bringing three. Three tuk-tuks. Now, don't, don't forget, a tuk-tuk can carry 
two passengers. Which means, at any one point, they could be changing the lives of six passengers and three drivers. Nine people, in total, in India, at any one point. That's that's how many people can be on these tuk-tuks at any one point. Nine people. I mean, I know Indians kind of sit on the roof of these tuk-tuks and they do all sorts of weird stuff, so you probably have more than nine people. But nine people, as designed at least, can be using these three tuk-tuks. These three electric tuk-tuks. Now, I'm looking at the photo of one right now, okay? And... I think all the electrics sit underneath the driver. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if an electric car gets in an accident, it can keep causing fires for a very, very long time. Now, obviously, with the acidity in batteries, just they're, they're very flammable, basically. If, if it catches fire, it goes. It really, really goes. I don't know if you remember when Richard Hammond had that massive crash years ago in the Rimac concept car. It kept on catching fire two days after the accident, or two weeks or something after the accident. It kept on catching fire because of the battery. So one battery would catch fire, they put it out. Then obviously because it's in a circuit, it would then go to the next battery and that would catch fire. Now, the batteries for the tuk-tuk are underneath the driver. So, if, and it's quite a possibility in India, this rickshaw were to, I don't know, get into an accident, the first thing to go up and catch fire would be the bottom of the driver because they would literally be sat on the batteries i think they might need to go back to the drawing board to be honest but there we are okay so next up is something that really caught my eye now let me just bring it up because i'm not really sure what to make of it so it's called the jaguar f-pace SVR 1988. Okay? So, let me just read what Jaguar say. The exclusive F-Pace SVR edition 1988 is the first limited edition of Jaguar's pinnacle high-performance SUV created by the personalization experts at SV Bespoke. Just 394 examples are available worldwide. Yeah. I mean, it's not off to a great start, to be honest. So let's let's go through it, okay? So, first thing I want to talk about is the fact that it's actually got quite a powerful engine. Um, now, it has 550 horsepower. Okay, pretty decent. It's a V8 supercharged engine. Okay, pretty decent. It goes 0 to 60 in 3.8 seconds. Okay, this is looking good. And a top speed of 178 miles an hour. That all sounds wonderful. The problem is they've released it. Well, actually released it. The, the press release came out on the 1st of June for it. Okay. Now, today, as of recording, it is the 24th of June, 2022. Um, fuel is nearly £2 a litre at the moment. And Audi have released... A big, thirsty, V8 supercard, 550 horsepower engine. <laughs> Weirdly enough, they didn't state the MPG in the, <laughs> in the press release. I wonder why. Now, the next thing I want to get on to is this SVR Edition 1988 crap. 
Now, they've named it after this XJR9 that, uh, hold on, let me get it. Here we go. Okay, so it enjoyed racing success in the World Sports Prototype Championship in 1988. Hence, obviously, the 1988 in it. Um, now, I know Jaguar have done a fair bit of uh, bit of motorsport. And another had a you know a stab at Formula One. Another they've got some GT cars out at the moment, but I don't recall them having any major success anytime recently. So, I actually wrote a little article. Uh, I say article. It was more of a rant, really, about this car. And the one thing I kept on saying is it's not really in keeping with the times because with the fuel crisis, it's not really great to have a 550 horsepower, really thirsty SUV at the moment. It's it's just not the the best thing. And okay, right, because obviously we're going through a fuel crisis. Um, we're also obviously going through a financial crisis now. This car, so obviously a big four by four, it costs one hundred and one thousand five hundred and fifty pounds base price. Okay, now from what I could see, there isn't actually that much you can change with it, because the first thing you'd say is, okay, well I want a different color. You can't change it. You cannot change it. So it's, as Jaguar put it, it is an emotive specification. Midnight amethyst paint, whatever, amethyst paint. Champagne gold forged alloy wheels and exclusive sunlight gold, sunlight? I meant sunset, sorry. Sunset gold accents. So... I mean, I'm colourblind, so it doesn't look the best thing to me. Um, but my friend tells me it's like a it's like a blue. Um, now, to me, to be honest, it looks looks like grey or black, or it's it's quite a dark car. I'm not gonna lie; it does actually look quite striking. It it has a presence. It looks quite good. But for a hundred and one thousand pounds for an SUV. I'd want it to be a little bit special. Now, there we go. I've got the photo up of it now. Okay. And all the press photos that they have released of it are in the dark. I know Jags aren't ugly. They're really not actually ugly. And the the F-paces haven't been hideous. So they've, they've, they've been quite pleasant to look at. Let's put it that way. But all the photos are in the dark. You know the only thing that sticks out? The wheels. Because they are, well, they say it's gold, but I think personally it looks more like a bronze, like a very shiny, light bronze almost. Even the lights aren't as bright. Now, obviously, that's not going to be true because as soon as one of those things gets right behind you, gets up, sorry, gets up right behind you in your rearview mirror, I guarantee those lights will be blinding you. But the thing is, they're only making 394 of these. So the chances of you ever actually seeing one are next to nothing. However, with these lines of special edition run cars, they usually get sold out just like that. Yeah? Now, they've made, well, they're making 394 of these. So you'd imagine Jaguar, quite a big company, is paying homage to one of their most successful racing cars in history. They still have them for sale. People cannot be that interested. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not in keeping with the times. It's overpriced. It's 
bit ridiculous. You can't choose really the, the spec that you want of it. And of 394, they've still got some left. So, do you have 100 grand to spare and don't have a brain? If so, the new F-Pace SVR edition 1988 might be the car for you. Contact Jaguar today if you don't have a brain. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, as you can tell. Right, the last car that I want to talk about is the Maserati MC20 Cielo. I might be saying that wrong. I'm not 100% sure. It's C-I-E-L-O. So the MC, I mean, to be honest, when I first saw the MC20, my jaw just plummeted to the ground because it was like, wow. I mean, that is a stunning, stunning car. It's got gullwing doors, which, I, am I right in saying it's the first Maserati? Are they, or was the MC20? Not the MC20. Um, the, oh, what's it called? That car that was based off the M, so I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, um, I, I, did that have gold? I'm not sure. I, blah, blah, ignore me. Ignore me. Right. Okay. So, um, the MC stands for Maserati Corse. Corse? Uh, it's racing in, in Italian, I'm guessing. Um, it, it looks incredible. But I'm looking at a photo right now of... It's at sort of a 45 degree angle. And two things strike me about it most, okay? Excluding the doors. It strikes a very, very, very close resemblance to, well, the back of it, at least. A Ferrari 458 Italia, uh, not Italia, sorry, the Roadster um, convertible. With, because it's got sort of like the 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 if, what's it called? You know the intake in a Formula One car. And it's kind of round at the top. It's kind of got two of those, you know, above the driver. Now I know a few cars have that, but the way that it's been designed, it's got an intake just behind the door as well. The four five eight had one of those. Just the 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 cockpit, the side of it, it looks incredibly like a a four five eight. Now as we move to the front then it's a bit different. So it's kind of got a touch of Maserati and a touch of Lotus in there, actually. I think it does look a little bit like a Lotus, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, for a Maserati, it's very, very different. And I won't lie, it looks incredible. It's got the, obviously, the standard massive gopping grille at the very front with the Maserati emblem. Um, and it's got obviously the bonnet scoops and the standard Maserati stuff that you've come to expect. And it does look really, really good. It's got two central exhaust pipes that are just either side of the uh, other side of the number plate and then a bit further down. Uh, obviously, it's mid-engines, all the standard stuff you kind of expect. It does look incredible. So it has. A, uh, a V6 engine, I believe. Hold on, I'm just trying to find... I'm Right, how, <laughs> everything for this, I obviously had to write down all of the, the specs so that I kind of knew what I was going to talk about. Um, the Maserati, I kind of on the spot decided, yeah, let's talk about it. Oh, here we go. Right, um, but yeah, basically I don't have anything written down about the Maserati, so I'm literally looking on the webpage as we speak to talk to you about it. So, the... Uh, okay, equipped with the revolutionary V6 Netuno... Netuno? Netuno? I don't know. Netuno engine. The Cielo offers a perfect mix of sportiness and luxury, courtesy of a specification unique to the segment. 
an innovative and retractable glass roof. Okay, in fact, fascinating. Um, and the roof also goes up and down uh, uh, in 12 seconds. So 12 seconds, obviously, one way, 12 seconds back down the other way. I think I'm right in saying that the Honda S2000, the BMW Z4, were beating that in, what, like 2004? So, you know, they're, they're, I think they were six seconds, seven seconds. So nearly there, Italians. You'll, you'll get there eventually. Now, I'm... I'm looking at this press release because they announced it actually technically on the 25th of May this particular model as a global premiere so haven't actually released any specs with it so there isn't much to say other than the fact it looks pretty amazing and actually to be fair okay so I don't know how many of you know this if you listen to a car podcast you probably do but I'm gonna say it anyway so convertibles actually weigh more than the coupes, the hardtops, that they're based on. The reasoning for this is, if you think about it, okay, if you attach um, two bricks together by a single playing card um, at the bottom of it, it's going to be completely floppy, okay? Those two bricks are so heavy, and then that playing card in the centre is, well, it, it, it's not heavy, it's not strong, it, it does nothing whatsoever. Now, if you put... Uh, uh, another card at the top of it okay yeah okay it's still going to be a little bit bendy but it's going to improve the rigidity of it tenfold it's going to make a massive massive difference so the way they combat this when they're making a convertible is they put strengthening beams in the floor of the car now of course these strengthening beams make it very very heavy so the fact that it's only 65 kilos heavier with the strengthening beams with the roof mechanisms, with everything, 65 kilos, that's pretty impressive. That's less than the average person. So, it, it, yeah, it, that's, that's pretty amazing. So, well done on that Maserati. I know other cars obviously have done something similar, but well done, well done. That is impressive. I, I mean, I, I'd love to tell you more about it, but it doesn't have any anything they it's got oh it's got 12 speakers um and distinguishes sonus faber audio systems yeah uh, yeah like i said there's, there's there's no details they're giving me with it there is nothing there so yeah that that's 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 all i've got to say about that so let's have a bit of a recap shall we the Red Megane Electric, useless. New Morgan three-wheeler, useless. Subaru E-Forester, useless. The Audi Rickshaw, useless. Jaguar F-Pace, useless. Maserati MC20, lovely. Well, at least we'd end on a nice one. No, I am sorry about that. I didn't realise it's basically half an hour of, of solid ranting. But uh, I, I don't know. But anyway, thank you very much for listening to this. This has been my very first episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you made it this far, then well done. Obviously, I will be making some more very, very soon. I just need to go and find and, uh, some more press releases that are actually a little bit more interesting for next time. But anyway, thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you all very soon.